Jag vet inte hur många sällskaper jag har mött som sliter med att få in professionella investorer till trots för att produkten egentligen är ganska bra och sällskapet visar växt och goda tal. Vi ser en ting de proffsiga investorerna på utsikter i tillägg att du bygger ett bra sällskap självklart är hur du hanterar dina aktionärer eller ditt så kallade cap table som det heter på startupsk. Ett ödelagt cap table sätter rätt och slett en stopper för sällskapsutveckling. Unlisted.ai gör det möjligt för sällskaper att hantera aktie- och optionsprogrammer, aktieägarboken, cap table och det mesta av rättigheter in mot aktierna i sällskapet på ett sted. Pröv Unlisted.ai sin gratisversion idag. Hej och välkommen till Shifters podcast. Ukens episode är er spilt in live hos Selmer advokatfirma. Vi har snakket med founder eller grunder av Revolut Bank Nick Storonski. Denna episoden blev spilt in 12 oktober. Vi beklager att det är er lite dålig lyd i starten av episoden, men det blir bedre undervejs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this morning session with the Revolut founder Nick Storonski. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank Selmer for doing this uh, on a very short notice and leave from Ikosa Norge who's put, who, who put us in contact with them. Uh, I also want to do a quick commercial about uh, our own event, The Shift, which is going down the November 14th uh, with world-class speakers like Sean Ellis, uh, Yara Pauli, Hugo Pereira. And uh, my colleague Anka is over there, so you, you can get a good uh, discount on the ticket. But most importantly, thank you, Nikolai, for uh, taking the time to share uh, some insights with us this morning. Uh, but before we start, I would like to know who we are dealing with in the crowd. So uh, how many people here work in the bank industry? Okay, about 95%. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, how many fintechs? Oh, so you, banks are fintechs. <laughs> Interesting. You know what's interesting here? So both banks and startups are wearing suits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, other startups? And consultants? And uh, any, any other categories? Yeah. Three people other in other. <laughs> so, um, Nikolai, you founded uh, Revolut in uh, 2013. But you launched in 2015. Yes. Uh, it's now valued at 1.7 billion dollars. Yes. Yes. Uh, Just say yes the entire time. Uh, you have three million customers, right. and uh, you claim that you're getting uh, 8,000 new customers each day. Yeah. You're Russian-born. You have a degree from phys- in physics from uh, the Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology. You have a master's degree in business. You're a champion swimmer. Uh, and you work, used to work as a trader at the Lehman Brothers uh, when it burst. And uh, after that, you worked for Credit Suisse. Why did you quit your job to start Revolut? I mean, banking became boring, to be honest with you. So it used to be a very fun industry. And then uh, after financial crisis, it just became extremely political, culture um, deteriorated. And a lot of uh, best people, they just quit. But ba- banks became boring. Have, have They used to be cool. Yeah, they used to be cool. If like ten years ago, fifteen years ago, if you would go to any graduate event uh, for, uh, at, at universities, you'll see like a lot of banks recruiting, you know, best graduates. I think uh, these days are gone now. All all best graduates they go to startups. So, what did you do when you worked at the uh, Lehman Brothers? 
trading. So I was a derivatives trader. Trader. Were you a good yeah. trader? Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, and uh, what is the problem with banks today? <clears throat> well, it's, uh, I think they, they, they became you know, too political, too big. A lot of corporate layers. Uh, and uh, I remember when I was working in Credit Suisse, it took me uh, two years and uh, I think 14 committees to, line, to launch a new product, right? It just, I think it's ridiculous. It's too, too many committees, too many bosses, too many managers. And uh, is that what you want to do something with? Uh, well, I obviously want to have, you know, uh, much flatter structure, which is also uh, meritocratic, right? Because if you look at banks, majority of people there, uh, they're not really producing. So my, my view, if you uh, half, you know, population in, in, in banking world, I mean, not, nothing would change. So half of the people working in banks are actually uh, producing something and the other half is not, not doing it? I would say only 20% producing something. Only 20%. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, uh, so, but um, uh, in, the, in the start, what was your, like, when you started Revolut, what was your biggest challenge? <clears throat> well, it's uh, obviously, like, you know, downshifting from a beautiful trading floor to working in a Starbucks. And, uh, yeah, it was, like, very uh, different experience compared to trading. And then it took me probably about uh, one year to adjust and then, you know, to, to find my way. But what, what gave you the confidence to do it? Uh, other confidence. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, uh, I know I know that you have um, got this question before, yeah. uh, but with the geopolitical noisy situation uh, between Russia and the EU, yeah. uh, have you met any challenges being a Russian-born uh, entrepreneur starting a bank in uh, the UK? Uh, to be honest, no. So because I obviously came to UK uh, like 13, 14 years ago, so I'm not really <coughs> considered Russian anymore. But still, yeah, sometimes I, I, I receive these questions. And the uh, reality is we're all kind of you know, global uh, citizens, right? And uh, we're all travel, we're all, you know, live in uh, different countries. So I just uh, don't really understand these types of questions. Okay. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more about banks. Um, uh, you said that you've never seen a big bank do anything cool. Uh, because if they did, you wouldn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Do you still uh, believe so? <laughs> Yeah, just because banks, they're not uh, tech companies, right? And uh, uh, I would say banking managers are not designers and engineers. As a result, uh, by definition, uh, they have wrong skill set to produce uh, products. To produce, you know, brilliant products, you need to hire engineers, designers, uh, product owners. Uh, if you just hire banking managers, uh, it's, 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 it's the wrong type of skill set. But the banks have been doing a lot of that lately, uh, recruiting that type of people, starting to, to, yeah, to move I mean, in that who, direction. Who, like, if I'm a brilliant designer engineer, why would I go to work uh, for a bank, right? I'd rather go to work in startup. Why? Well, uh, changing the world, you know, all these things. Yeah, but yeah, but the banks still have money, right? So they can pay for the best people. Uh, startups could also pay, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but uh, you, the, um, the, the traditional banks, uh, you, you said that um, the traditional banks... Uh, approach to innovation and uh, digitalization is wrong. How, how is that wrong? <clears throat> well, uh, so what, what they really do, so I was to speak with, uh, with a lot of uh, uh, banks, the, the way they approach digitalization, they, they just hire, I don't know, McKinsey. McKinsey advised them to uh, build some digital project and they hire another outsourcing company to design it, another outsourcing company to kind of you know, develop it. And the result, they spend like you know tons of money, two years, produce something, and they, they never iterate, never uh, improve it. it. It's just wrong approach. I think you know uh, 
core of banking is tech, and uh, tech needs to be uh, to be built in house. But do you see that there are there any banks that are actually uh, approaching the the digital transformation in a good way? <clears throat> well, if we if we look at uh, China, well, they're not really banks, but WeChat, Alipay, I think they are doing uh, in the right way. How, what way is that? Well, it's more approaching uh, banking as, as as a product, not as a uh, organization. So banking as a product, not as an organization. Yeah. So it's a product organization instead of a... Yes. Yeah. And what does a product organization look like? Well, it's obviously at the, at the core is the technology, right? Designers, engineers, uh, product owners, uh, a lot of ideas. So they, they first build the product and then they figure out uh, how to build it uh, in terms of uh, legislation and then uh, uh, risk as well. Yeah, so uh, the the incumbent banks have been talking a lot about uh, innovation and uh, also open banking uh, the last few years, but it's it's, it's moving slowly. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts on open banking? Well, I think you know in in a few years time it will be great. Uh, so far, it's not really usable, I would say, for uh, startups. For example, functionality to pull money out of bank account with uh, open banking APIs it just doesn't have you know, a very good uh, interface for the user. I think with time it will be uh, much better, but for now uh, it's, it's not there. It's not, it's not good enough right now? But do you believe, yeah, that, do you, do you believe think, in the concept? Yeah, concept is great, right? I think we're just you know, in the beginning of it. I think in, in two, three years' time it will be much better. Yeah. And uh, you, you also have a lot of uh, challenger banks like uh, yourself, uh, you have Monzo, uh, you have um, N26. Uh, what is the most? What, what, what do you envy the most out of, of Monzo? Uh, I mean, it's it's cute British startup. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 tell us how how is Revolut different from uh, what what is the key what is the key value proposition of Revolut? Well, we, we are alternative to your bank account, so we give you everything what banks give to you, and we give you more, such as insurance, cryptocurrency, uh, investments as well, very soon. Yeah. So, but but what is what are what like what type of target group are you are you targeting with this this type of product? So, all people who have bank accounts, they they should use Revolut. Why should they use Revolut? Well, we are free, either ten times cheaper or free. We have you know much much better product. And then to open an account with us is uh, just two minutes. Two minutes to open an account. Does, does that pose any problems with compliance when it's when the process of onboarding is so smooth? Well, we were just smart about it, right? So even if we onboard customers in a very fast way, uh, there are still ways to kind of you know identify uh, whether you is really you. And plus, we obviously uh, do the normal things such as uh, rescoring of uh, of a customer and so on. But uh, okay, so you you don't uh, you, you don't fare like the the challenger banks, like Monzo. In, no, in, really. no, and you don't. Really, they, they they build like a local uh, British bank. They not really expand. So what we're trying to build, we're trying to build a global financial services company, and we are doing it much faster as well. Yeah. So they they started approximately the same the same time as us. Now we're in uh, I think twenty eight twenty nine countries. We're expanding outside of Europe very quickly, and they they still in Britain. So you're you're have a better speed, you're faster. Yeah, better speed, uh, better execution, better team. I would say, yeah. <laughs> better team. Uh, and um, but what what type of uh, like in 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 the market? What type of uh, competitors or challenges do you see there? 
not nothing or is it like uh obviously or, there are, there is always competition so i'm pretty sure new players will uh will emerge so when i look at asia there are quite quite a lot of you know established players there uh us just uh, appears to to be in the beginning of the journey with a few startups being built so i think i think asia is uh, <clears throat> uh asia is the most advanced uh, than europe and then than us Asia's most most advanced. Yeah. So if uh, you were to look at something interesting, you should go to Asia, not Europe. Well, probably if you want uh, to to grab the market, you probably should, should should go to US because there is nothing there. Uh, mm. Then to Europe, and then uh, Asia. There are quite a few competitors. So what do you think will be the next type of um, uh, unicorn uh, fintech product? Next type of unicorn fin. Uh, well, maybe something related with uh, open banking. When I uh, connect, you know, multiple accounts. I also connect multiple uh, broker and investment accounts. And then uh, there'll be some uh, AI telling me what to do with my money, invest or lend or borrow. And then analytics built on top of it as well. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, Revolut, you have um, a lot of different revenue streams, right? Correct, could, you, could you just go through how you make money? Uh, so user fees. So we have um, uh, this uh, freemium plan when uh, there is a standard... Uh, uh, there is a standard plan and there is a premium and metal plan, uh, with subscription. Then we have our business accounts. Obviously we have credit, uh, we have insurance, cryptocurrencies and then interchange. So every time when you spend uh, with our card, we're being paid by uh, missions. Okay. Do you see a problem with uh, having so many different products? Uh, no, it's, no? it's actually much better. Yeah. yeah. Why is it better? Well, because uh, a customer doesn't need to go through KYC process 10 times. So he just goes through once within two minutes and then get access to all financial products that uh, they need. So the access is, uh, is you rate access higher than the, the quality of the product? I mean, it's all together, right? Access plus quality plus price. Okay. So how do you show you deliver the best type of products in so many different areas? Well, we just make sure it's either free or I don't know, at least fifty percent cheaper compared to banks. Yeah. So um, you're you're good at upselling, right? Is that your is that your secret that you get uh, you use your distribution to get pe- people onto different type of products? Yeah. So secret is uh, we we give people amazing product for free, and then we upsell uh, higher margin products. Yeah. And what do you think about, for example, in Norway? We have a, we have a bank now that is going to launch a mobile first bank. Like a traditional bank uh, launching a mobile first bank it's because they're, they're, they're 18, right? Yes, <laughs> but they've been inspired by Monzo. Okay. And uh, what, what do you think? Do you think that will uh, succeed, or wh- and why wouldn't it succeed? So we we saw a couple of attempts, for example, in, uh, in UK, uh, being done by HSBC and then uh, Barclays launching uh, mobile-only banks and RBS as well. I mean, they they they, they didn't really get traction. They didn't get traction. Yeah. Why not? What, what do you think is the structural problem there? Well, it's just because uh, McKinsey advised to build it and then, you know, <laughs> they outsourced it. <laughs> Three years later, it's delivered, it's too late and it's, it's not that good. Yeah, so it's not actually part of their core deliverance. Yeah. It's uh, something they hire outside people to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, uh, I don't know. Do we have a, do we have a microphone for some questions? So what we're going to do, we're going to do some questions now about banks, uh, and then we're going to move on. So any, any, any questions about the, the banks and the future of banks to Nick?
No one? Yeah, that's one. Uh, my question is, why sh uh, why would we need banks in the future? Is there a place for banks? Do banks have any business in the future? I mean, banking business is very simple, right? So they take deposits and then they lend money out, right? So I think this business will uh, exist uh, for now, I don't know, a few hundred years. Uh, but I think, you know, apart from uh, uh, taking deposits and lending, they do a lot of things, such as payments, uh, investments, uh, trading. They just uh, sit on top of this business model. So in the future, not necessarily banks will uh, have these other businesses. Just a follow-up. Isn't that an algorithmic transaction? Uh, for trading? I mean, that can be, I don't know, retail trading, uh, institutional trading. Money lending? Yeah. Anything? Yeah. So there are like many, many businesses which banks do, which are not necessarily uh, their core or business model. Core business model is simply taking deposits and lending money. Any other questions? Hello, uh, good morning. Uh, I'm just wondering how you will deal with the compliance issues. I mean, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, transferring money outside, like uh, overseas payments. Uh, now, I think you have been asked about co compliance, but I was not catching up. Thank you. Yeah, compliance is a very hot topic for banks and uh, fintechs. Uh, so the way we approach it, first we approached it in a traditional way. So we hired uh, tons of uh, traditional compliance people with AML background, banking background. And the reality, what I recognize with time, uh, so it is possible to completely automate compliance, build models, transactional monitoring models, KYC models, uh, anti-fraud models, and then uh, effectively have automated system without any human uh, involvement. So I think actually compliance is very... Uh, technology-based uh, business. And then, you know, it, it used to be done in a traditional way with like thousands of compliance people looking at transactions, looking at alerts. Uh, I think in two, three years' time, uh, this profession will not exist. It will be just, you know, models. Models looking at transactions, as simple as that. Yes. Um, you've copied the uh, traditional banks in the fact that you cater to both business and consumer uh, banking. Uh, do you think uh, that's uh, uh, right? And w which market do you think is the most profitable for you in the future? Uh, well, good question. Uh, I mean, it's, it's difficult to say, right? Uh, so right now, the most profitable for us is probably uh, UK and France. Uh, maybe in the future, there will be shift to US, uh, maybe to Asia. But generally, uh, the most profitable markets are where there is least competition. But, uh, but um, the difference between uh, consumer and uh, and business, what are the... Okay. Uh, I mean, business is obviously much higher margin products. So and then they also borrow much more money compared to retail. And they also do a lot of transactions. So right now, our revenue is probably 80 to 20% retail versus business. I think in the future, it can be the opposite. So 80% of revenue will come from business. Hi. Um, like most disruptors, it seems like Revolut executes really well and really quickly. 
And I'm wondering if you can talk a bit about your development, uh, how you prioritize functionality, do you work with customers, how you make decisions on what to build? Uh, sure. So the way we're structured, we usually run, uh, I would say, uh, 40 to 50 development teams. Uh, team, team consists of uh, probably four to five to six people. So one designer, uh, one or two backend developers, one iOS developer, one Android developer, and one product owner. So they're effectively like a mini startup, right? So they decide themselves what to build within their own uh, area. It can be either payments or retail core or business core. So we've got like, you know, f- I would say about 40 teams like this. Some of them are concentrated on uh, consumer-facing products. Some of them are concentrated on our internal products. For example, compliance is an internal product. And uh, within their scope, uh, they, they do decisions uh, themselves. So the, the way we work, we give them targets, KPIs. So KPIs are usually uh, numbers that you need to achieve within the next uh, six months. They present with a roadmap. And we just, you know, double check whether the roadmap makes sense. And then we have for six months, this 40 or 50 teams, you know, just running and delivering. So do the teams decide themselves what to work on within some, some constraint? Uh, yes. So they decide we, with the quality control. Okay. Is it like the um, two pizza team from uh, yeah, Amazon? Uh, yeah, exactly. Is, is five, that, five, six people, max. Five, six people, max. Yeah. And uh, what, is, uh, so, uh, what, is, what is good about this type of uh, structure? Uh, well, it's very important uh, for, for a team to be independent of other teams. Otherwise, uh, there are always bottlenecks. So we view it as uh, we provide infrastructure. Then we have uh, 40 startups working on this infrastructure. And these startups almost never intersect. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, almost never kind of... Uh, so so they're, they're totally uh, independent. So they can actually produce whatever they need without dependencies from, yeah, exactly, yeah. from other teams. Yeah. You think that is, is that crucial yeah. to be able to execute? Yeah, of course. And then you have KPIs. What type of KPIs do you set for the team? Or do you use the KPIs, or do they t- does the team do that? Uh, usually, this comes from uh, top to bottom. Yeah. So, I mean, types of KPIs can be uh, okay. For the next six months, we need to increase activation, say from seventy five percent to ninety percent. We need to increase our cohorts from long term cohorts from forty percent to fifty percent. So, these kind of things. So, we we give them numbers, and then they come up with uh, ways to issue them. Yeah. So, is that what you meant about the product organization versus a tr- traditional bank? Yeah, traditional bank is, uh, okay, you've got board of directors, uh, consisting of directors from shareholders, right? Then you have, you know, management team with uh, extremely high compensation packages who don't take risks, right? And then under them, there are managers and managers, managers, managers. And then some, some way, uh, like on the level number eight or nine, there are like, you know, some <laughs> four or one engineer who does uh, all, all the job, right? <laughs> so uh, what's the, um, if you have an idea in Revolut, what's the, what's the time frame from... From having the idea to actually have a product out and tested? Uh, depends on the complexity, but usually we do it uh, within uh, two to three months. Two to three months from yeah. idea to, ex- to, to... To actually, yes, production. Okay. Can you, can you name some of the products you have that are, are, have been successful in this process? Because obviously you have prob- yeah. products that are not, not successful as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, one, one of the recent products that we launched, uh, Waltz, took us, uh, I would say, three months. And the way it works, uh, so every time when I spend with a card, uh, we round up transaction and it goes to your special vault account for your, I don't know, savings purposes. So it took three months. It's uh, very successful. A lot of people are using it. 
Uh, and the example of uh, unsuccessful products, uh, two, two years ago, we launched uh, a product called Offers. So we simply gave, I don't know, a lot of uh, offers to customers. And then it wasn't very successful. It wasn't very uh, used. How do you deal with failure inside the organization? I mean, we, we dig deep to understand what the failure is coming from, uh, I don't know, market. So people just don't need this uh, product or it's coming from uh, bad execution. Right, if it's coming from market, that's fine. So we just, you know, redistribute team uh, to other products. If it's coming from execution, so we obviously learn what we've done, uh, what we can do, you know, better. Yeah. So it's not it's not like you, if you have some failures, it's not like you are uh, considered a bad person in uh, in Revolut, because that's probably a lot of incumbent companies. Yeah, you don't want to have too many failures. I mean, we're okay with failures, right? So as soon as it's coming from market, not from execution, we're fine. Okay. Um, any more questions? Hi. Uh, what qualities do you look for in your leadership team? Uh, well, good question. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, with you, our culture is we hire uh, people who are extremely, I would say, hyperlogical. So understand where reality is, and these people are usually very technical. So they have, you know, technical background. Uh, secondly, we hire people who uh, are extremely ambitious, so they work very hard. Uh, and then uh, number three, we uh, hire people who are not uh, political, right? So, so because uh, if you look at banks, uh, the big problem, a lot of people are extremely political. So instead of, you know, doing a real job, they, they kind of, you know, play politics all the time. And it's very uh, dangerous for organization. So that's uh, very simple how we, how we uh, like, you know, interview and uh, hire What's your uh, onboarding pro- like in interview process look like? How does it look like? Oh, it's it's pretty standardized. So we have you know sources who approach people on LinkedIn uh, and then you know try to to get them to the interview. Then we have screening call done by recruiters. Then uh, first uh, interview done by effectively business or developers or designers. Then we always do home task because the, the best predictability of how successful a person will be at the job is actually home task. Uh, and then uh, second interview, final interview, and then we, we give an offer. So usually the whole process uh, takes from 20 to 30 days. <laughs> Me or him? Okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll ask the question and I'll give it back to you. Um, Nick, can you please tell us how do you interact with the customers? Do you prototype before you launch a feature or do you launch a feature and then gather, gather feedback? Uh, so I would say we quickly do something like a beta, right? And then we distribute it to our team and then to 1,000 people. Uh, then we gather feedback, we change, and then we launch to 1% of all users that we have, to, then to 10%, then to 100%. Thank you. Hi, a uh, question is about your growth. Because if you are here today, it's, um, a good deal of it is because of the amazing growth that you have had. Yeah. Uh, and probably a lot of your valuation is also based on that. So I would like to know, um, do you, can you point, pinpoint one factor that has made your growth so amazing? Is it because the product was fantastic? I mean, the word of, uh, word of mouth? Uh, what, what was it that really has characterized the growth and given you the growth that you that you experience? Uh, so I think it's very simple standard concept, right? If you build a product which is 10 times better and 10 times cheaper compared to competition, 
So then people will talk about it and then they will sell it to their friends, their family. So that's what we achieved. So we build a product which is 10 times better and uh, 10 times cheaper or either free, right? So as a result, uh, like people talk about it and we don't need to spend uh, money on marketing. <laughs> so it's just to build a product that's 10 times better. So and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm um, Kala. I'm really impressed with Revolut. We, um, we are one of the world's smallest but best savings teams in the world. Uh, we build a social network to connect people and their savings here from Norway. Um, what I've listened to you say before is that you build everything in-house. And for us as a small tech company, we'd like to experiment looking at how we can actually work together, connect to Revolut and the extreme growth that you're having. Um, is everything internal or will you cooperate with tech companies like our company, for instance? I mean, obviously it depends on, on the systems that we use. If, 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 these cores, if these systems are our core, right? For example, uh, onboarding, uh, banking system or payment system, then we uh, always try to build in the house. If it is some... Uh, I don't know, a system that we use for internal chat, like Slack. So it's not going to, to build Slack in-house, right? So it's, we do what makes sense. Thanks. All right. Um, looking at all the, or many of the challenger banks out there, some of them go for a strategy with a full banking license, and others decide not to and partner with a, a banking as a service uh, uh, platform. Uh, what decides or, or what influences whether one choice is right or the other one? And, and how did you go about determining your, your choice? So our strategy is always try to launch faster, right? And if to launch faster means we partner with the bank, we always choose to partner with the bank. For example, uh, expansion team. Uh, when we expand to a new country, we always look at, okay, can we get our license? Uh, if license takes more than nine months to get, we then look for partner bank, right? So the, the key is always uh, speed to market. And then uh, when we kind of, you know, uh, launch with a partner bank, then we can, you know, look at license to, to, to bring it in-house. How does a partnership with the bank look like? A lot of meetings first, then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's faster. <laughs> yeah. So it takes usually six months to get that. And then you, you feel a lot of documents, right, manually, right? opening some accounts, then you know, then hopefully you meet some senior people at the bank who will push partnership, you know, much faster. And then hopefully yeah, you, you, you launch it eventually. But, but what, it, it takes time. What type of value do you provide to the bank? Uh, well, it's just PNL, right? So we, we have revenue share. So, well, either revenue share, or we just pay fixed fee per, per transaction. Uh, hi, uh, you've been talking a little bit about your roadmap and your speed and agility and a little bit about your user engagement. And my question is, how do you determine what new type of bus uh, business functionalities or um, business concepts that actually go into the roadmap? What is the decision-making process that validates that what you're creating is the right thing for the market? Uh, well, we, we, we don't do like, you know, one year research, right? Uh, it's more like, I don't know how to say it. It's like, you know, things that, you know, make sense, 
right? Uh, for example, when we look at our business product, we always prioritize things that uh, make sense for us as a business, right? Because we also like need to have payroll, we need to pay people, we need to execute transactions, we need to do bulk payments. Uh, and then we, we just come to our CFO and ask, okay, what are you experienced trouble with? He tells us and then we, we, we build it. The same for uh, retail consumer product. So, okay, w- what do I need as a user, right? As a normal user. And then it's just, you know, co- common sense. Yeah, I know it's a bit a uh, vague answer, uh, but it, it is how we work. Yeah. But the the team that's you have forty teams. Yeah. And uh, when the team when is the team done with the product and starting with a new product? Are they ever done, or do they own the product then? So they they just own the product and then they are tasked to improve it all the time. So sometimes we shift teams to new products, but that's more like an exception. Morning. Could you say something about uh, your plans for developing the business offering uh, going forward? Uh, my view, business offering, uh, uh, well, at the moment, current business offering that banks do are a bit broken because first you need to open a business account, then you need to open a merchant account with Stripe or Adian, for example. And then you know, it just takes time, two, three weeks. <clears throat> so our business product, you simply uh, apply online, and then, then within the five minutes, you can get the business bank account which uh, gives you, uh, for example, connectivity with your uh, apps that you use, like Slack or your HR system, your payroll system. Plus, on top of it, we're going to uh, release credit, so you as a business can borrow money from us. Uh, On top of it, uh, with the business bank account, you'll have acquiring account as well. Uh, So within five minutes, you can have an acquiring account, same as Stripe do. And that's the, then it is, you know, complete package that business want, right? Because that's it. Like, you know, all products that business want, they, they are in, in, in one product. Do you build all the products yourself or do you, can you use APIs from other type of products, uh, to, to deliver to your customers? Yeah. For example, uh, trading that we're building now, uh, commission free trading, uh, we partnered with uh, one of the, uh, big brokers who have access to exchanges. And because for us to get access to exchange, then, you know, to integrate with each of them will take, I don't know, two years. We decided to partner and then, you know, get the product done within uh, five months. So we obviously use their APIs. Um, so I have a question about the type of card that you're issuing. As far as I've understood, I haven't actually used Revolut card, so please correct me. But as far as I've understood, it's, it's a prepaid card, which means that people need to top it up, right, before they can actually use it. Um, if that's true, um, why haven't you done for, gone for a credit card? And and uh, is there a reason for choosing prepaid over credit? Because credit is the standard here, or at least for business. Uh, the, the way our product works, yes, you can add money there, right? It's, it's like a normal bank account, right? So you have a card, you have an account, you, you, you can spend if you have money in the account, and uh, you can also enable credit in the account, right? And then you can spend as well. So it's effectively a, a card can be both debit and credit. Hi, great product. <laughs> uh, just curious about your uh, fundraising. Uh, do you have any kind of particular strategies and, you know, which investors you get on board and, and what are your like next milestones in terms of raising money? Uh, well, ra- ra- raising mo- money is a very interesting uh, story, I would say. So it's like, it's very difficult in the beginning and it's very easy, uh, like, you know, like going forward, right? I remember like when we first raised money, uh, 
two or three years ago. It was very difficult. I spent like, you know, four months, like, you know, going pitching uh, investors. Uh, okay. So we raised like, you know, one and a half million pounds within four months. And then next round was, uh, I think it was 10 million within uh, two months. And then uh, all subsequent rounds. So the larger they were, I didn't even go out to meet them with investors. They, they were just, you know, knocking and then, you know, giving you money. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how do you choose investor? Uh, Based on price. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, you do diligence as well, so you speak with other founders, right, and just to get references. Uh, but usually, there are not that many, like, you know, good uh, VCs in the world, so you, you all know them. Yes, uh, hello, Hans Christian from The Factory. We work with uh, early-stage fintech startups here in, in Norway and the Nordics. Uh, what did you do in your first year operation? Can you explain a bit in how to get started right? What did you do? Mm. Uh, I think I made every single mistake that I could make. <laughs> a problem my advantage was uh, that I kind of you know made it and you know tried something new and something new, so iterated you know very very quickly. So I think for for, for first two years uh, you just you know make so many mistakes and then uh, you just don't need to give up, and then hopefully you know you you find your way. So, what are the big, what are the big, biggest challenges for startups in the fintech space today? Well, first to open a, a bank account, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so every time, what the, the bank hears that you have fintech, right? They kind of, oh no, I'm not going to onboard you. But that was a real hustle for us to open our first bank account. Yeah. So that's the biggest challenge. In the beginning, yes. In the beginning, and then onward. Uh, and then uh, every three months, you know, there are new challenges. So. First, you you need to get you know good designs, good development team. Okay, if you if you find good people, then you release a product. Uh, then you need to make sure that uh, people know about you. So you start selling the product. Then, as your business scales, you encounter a lot of issues such as uh, quality of your support, right? And then uh, sooner or later, you'll encounter problems with compliance, uh, and then you know with banks. This the usual things. Uh, yeah, every problem uh, that you can face will eventually kind of you know come to you. And uh, what, what was the best advice given to you when you started your business? Uh, what was the best advice given to me? Now, re- looking at it re- retrospectively, uh, re- retrospectively uh, what was the best ad- advice? Uh, I think being uh, not emotional, right? And just uh, looking uh, at any new problem, like from intellectual curiosity point of view, how can I solve it? Instead of you know, being emotional about it. Just a quick follow-up on, on what you said. You did a lot of iterations, a lot of mistakes in the first first year or two. Uh, can you point to sort of a breakthrough point or, or some, some specific things you did right and, and that really turned into building this great success, please? Uh, I mean, maybe maybe uh, the answer is uh, I was lucky. <laughs> that's, that's the uh, best advantage that you can get, right? I mean, the reality sometimes... Uh, Luck is very important. So luck to, to get the right person or luck to get in the right direction or to jump on the right trend as well. So this is, I think it's very important as well. So uh, the faster you iterate, the more probability you'll get on this uh, lucky wave, which will kind of you know, push you forward. Hello. Would you say something about your customers 
and what do you know about them and how do you collect the uh, uh, intelligence about your customers? So we've got a data scientist team, which kind of, you know, uh, pulls a lot of information about our customers, where they come from, age, uh, what transactions they make. Uh, but I think now we are still not at the stage when we are, we are utilizing this information well. I think maybe if you, in a few years' time we, we can, like, you know, be much smarter about it. We already do a lot of things like, for example, cross-selling different products based on your uh, behavior. But I think we, we're just you know, in the beginning of it. Is there a question here? Thanks. Uh, so uh, a number of VCs often uh, warn businesses against or early startups against using uh, crowdfunding as, as a way of raising initial rounds. Uh, you used a uh, Crowdcube earlier in uh, two, uh, 2015. What's your experience with that, and why did you do it, and, and, and how is that affecting your later rounds? So we, we, we view crowdfunding not as a, a way to raise money, but as a, a great marketing channel, right? Because if you have like one VC investor, and then compared to 10,000 uh, retail investors who put, I don't know, 100 pounds each, so second is much more powerful because these 10,000 people, they will sell your product to other people, to their families, to friends. They're they effectively like a marketing machine. So they are ambassadors who are invest, investors as well. So that's, that's why we did it actually twice. Thanks. So is that something uh, B2C companies should do? More than yeah. B2B? Like, uh, uh, does it, it doesn't make the same much of sense in B2B, right? Or... Yeah, B2C, obviously, I think you must do it, right? As a startup, uh, B2B, I mean, really depends on the product. So there is a mass product for uh, many SMEs, like thousands and thousands, and yes, Crowdcube uh, or Cedars makes sense. If it is more like, you know, sales to corporate world, so you do, I don't know, two, three, five sales a year, then probably no. Um, profitability uh, on the retail side, uh, everything is going down to, to zero, so it's uh, harder to to make uh, money on on that side. As you mentioned, uh, the business side is a little bit uh, better because you have higher margin and uh, uh, and congratulations to your success. But uh, on, on the profitability, how is your developing in that area? Yeah, I was, I was wondering, you know, when someone will ask me this question. <laughs> 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 no, in in reality, I think. Uh, Profitability is all about uh, volume that you have and your costs, right? So I still think that, you know, there are, you know, tons of ways uh, how you can make money on uh, retail clients. Uh, so Crate is one of them, right? Yes, obviously, like, you know, interchange is very small in Europe. Uh, I think the, the biggest struggles uh, banks have with uh, retail clients is that cost of acquisition is very high. Uh, but because we built a great product, so our cost of acquisition is... Uh, is zero effectively, right? So for us, uh, it's still like, you know, profitable business. So because we don't spend money on marketing. Hi. In the past five years, you went from being a trader in a bank to running a, st a startup in this uh, new space. Can you tell us a bit about the learning curve? Was it a lot of stuff to digest, a lot of stuff to learn, to work with developers, or was it easy? No, it's obviously difficult, right? So... Uh, I don't think my skill set as a trader uh, is transferable to, to be a skill set as working in startup because it's like in startup you need a completely different skill set. Uh, so yeah, it was difficult to learn. Uh, but the, 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 that's my point. So you need to kind of, you know, iterate all the time and then uh, you, you learn a lot of things. Uh, 
So what is your best skill set? What, what, what are you good at? What I'm good at? <laughs> uh, well, setting targets and achieving them. Then what, what are you bad at? What I'm bad at, uh, I sometimes have too straightforward, I would say. Too straightforward? Yeah. <laughs> you haven't been too much straightforward today. Well, but, I learned as well. So um, if, you, if, you, if, if we were to put you in charge of the biggest bank in Norway, and you had to do three things, what would that be? Oh, good question. Uh, I, I I won't be able to do it once you. It's uh, <laughs> it's so, like you know putting putting uh, like uh, myself in a bank and then you know trying to change the course of a bank will mean like I don't know firing a lot of people, changing a lot of processes, and then it won't be a very popular decision, right? So that's why <laughs> I won't do it. So, and what what is your best advice to banks? Uh, Quit your job. <laughs> Keep doing what you do. <laughs> Nick, it's been a pleasure to have you here. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. And um, good luck with the Revolut Bank. And uh, thank you to all of you and all of the questions. And have a very nice Friday and then weekend. Thank you.